So, uh, Lord, bless Bridget. Lord, we love her. Lord, and we just, Lord, welcome her, like the voice that she has to speak to us, Lord God. We know that you will speak to us through her. Thank you for our preparation. Thank you for our heart. Lord, thank you for all the moments she's encouraged me and many others of us in the room who could put our hands up and just say there was times where she just spoke truth out of the wellspring of truth that you've placed in her heart. I bless you for that. And we receive of that gift this morning. We recognize her, Lord, as someone with an anointed Lord to share your good news and your word, Lord. We expect, Father God, to hear from you this morning. So anoint her afresh. Fill her up, Lord God. Let any nerves be gone, Lord God. Um, in Jesus' name, we she know that this is, Lord, the place where she's meant to be and she's doing what she's meant to do lord god and you will accomplish what you ordain to accomplish this morning in jesus name amen amen, amen. Thank you. amen. that's great that's great thank you very much um i know um bernard loves titles bernard don't john when he's doing his talks himself um that, I know. By the way, that, that worship was amazing. Um, sometimes it's hard to come out of it, isn't it? You just want to stay in that place. Um, I love the fact that you read that scripture from Isaiah 61. And I think what made all of those things possible that Jesus did was the very first line of that scripture that you read out when he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And I think um, my focus, I think, in trying to... This is just a simple message, by the way. It's probably nothing that you haven't heard before. Um, but the message of the gospel is simple. It's not complicated. And um, But I've been probably focusing on the person of the Holy Spirit over the last while. Um, and, yeah, so I, I think he's going to be the, the focus um, this morning. I suppose if I was given this message a title it would be get out of the way and let God do what only God can do really um, I personally do not feel qualified to be up here this morning and that's okay um, I think it's not about our resources and it's not about what we can bring to the table um, it's really just all about what God can do um, and only what God can do um, over the past probably a couple of weeks now I've been listening in to prayer meetings in Times Square Church and um, they're not so much the sermons that they do on a Sunday morning but they just ha they, they happen to just be the prayer meetings that they're having um, and they're kind they're very unusual prayer meetings in that there's about 149 different countries tend to tune in um, online to these prayer meetings and some of the prayer requests um, that are coming in from places like Syria, Saudi Arabia, all of these countries are heartbreaking, you know, really and truly heartbreaking. Um, I was chatting to Rob there a couple of weeks ago and I was telling them that um, there was one prayer request come in, just to give you an idea of kind of some of the stuff that's coming in, of uh, an eight-year-old girl who was suffering from anxiety and panic attacks. Eight years of age, what eight-year-old child should be suffering from anxiety or panic attacks? Um, there's, there's young people um, phoning in and um, and sending prayer requests in that you know that are that are struggling. You know, there, there's gender confusion. There's you know there's people that are addicted. There's families that are breaking up and just all sorts of mad stuff. People that are, want to commit suicide. There was one man. Um, there was one man that that uh, sent a request in, and it was you could sense the desperation in it. Like he was like, if there's anyone. 
that knows how to pray. Will you just pray and ask God to help me? And that these are the kind of things that are coming in. Um, initially, I suppose, looking at that, um, I'd love to be able to preach like Rob and not have to look at notes and stuff. Do you ever just get envy people that can do that? Like, they just walk up and down and for the whole time, not a bother on them. I'm like, oh God, what am I saying next? But, um, yeah, but anyway, um, you know, every night I've been listening in on these prayer meetings every night and I have to say, sometimes there's a sense of being overwhelmed, you know, it's like, um, do you ever ask yourself, what's it all about? Do you know, like, you know, what, if, what can I bring to the table here? I've nothing, like God, I've nothing to bring. I can't. What is this all about? And there's two kind of conclusions that I kind of came to, like, listening in on all of this stuff. Is one, that the world is in bits, basically. You know, the whole world is in bits. And it really and truly it is. And the other one was kind of that it seems hopeless. You know, you kind of feel that it's hopeless. Why? You know, what can you do? You're listening to all of this stuff, and where can you go with it? Um, I found myself encouraged, I have to say. You know, you know when, when the likes of Carter Conlon and these other great leaders, men and women of God, were getting up and praying, and you know, you're listening to them and they're calling out to God on behalf of these people and they're calling out to God to do what only he can do. Um, and yeah, I felt encouraged, but I have to say what I felt more encouraged about was when I, they got up and I heard them confessing their own failings their own weaknesses, their own powerlessness to do anything about the situations. And that kind of gave me, well, you know what, okay, what do we need to do? Like, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's just a case of being willing. Maybe it's just a case of opening your mouth, surrendering your heart to God and, you know, and letting God do them what he can do. Um, and the truth is that, like that scripture that you read out this morning, um, the word of God tells us that, Without the Spirit of God, we are powerless. We're literally powerless to do anything for God. The book of Ephesians, one, uh, there's a verse in the book of Ephesians, and it says that God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Can't even imagine, you know. Um, and I think that sometimes we just get in the way of that. Um, sometimes I think we try to do things in our own strengths, and it's a mistake that we can often make. I think Paul addressed it in the book of Galatians and he said, he was saying to the, to the Christians there, he said, after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? You know, and I think it is a mistake that we can make. Um, the longer I go on, I have to tell you in this, the longer I walk as a Christian, the more I realize that I can't do anything. I'm literally by myself and in my own strength. I can do nothing. Come to the conclusion that it's either, you know, your own strength will get you so far, but eventually you'll hit a wall and fall down somewhere along the line. Um, and usually the cycle for me goes like this, you know, I kind of, I get put myself in a place where I'm disciplining myself. These things aren't bad in, in, in and of themselves. I'll discipline myself, you know, I'll pray, I'll set aside time to worship, I'll read the word of God, I fail, I fall, I wallow, I get back up again, I try harder. It doesn't work. Um, because at the end of the day, you just feel like you can't measure up, you know. Um, and what I did was I was kind of, I found myself kind of looking at some of the stories in scripture, at some of the, the great men and women, if you like, in scripture. They're mainly men this morning, but great women. Um, and I kind of found myself looking at them and I kind of, you're looking at their courage, you're looking at their faith, you know, you're looking at the strength that they have. And I found myself saying like, it's not like these people. 
But what I found was when I looked a bit closer at them, um, and I saw that they were far from perfect. You know, these people were flawed, weak, and uh, yeah. And I found myself then kind of thinking, well, you know, I can't be And in First Corinthians, verse one, twenty-seven to twenty-nine, um, I love this, this scripture, by the way. It says that God shows the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God shows the weak things to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things um, of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one can boast before him. And when I was reading that, I was kind of thinking, you know what, isn't it, you know, God uses imperfect people. He uses flawed people to achieve the things that he wants to achieve. And this certainly isn't the way the world chooses people. Um, and you, you know, all you have to do is look at people's Instagram posts or Facebook posts. You know, everything's perfect. You know, they've perfect. They're not a wrinkle on them. They're perfect. They're not a bit of body fat. We've a board in the house coming in trying to get Holy Spirit. Um, and you know, they're perfect houses, perfect children, perfect everything. You know, every it's all the best things. You know, put forward. Um, and basically, you know. I, Saying here, I said <laughs> they put the ha 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 in happy, you know, like, and I'm thinking, what a load of rubbish. Um, kingdom of God looks a little bit different than the way the world looks at things, and you know, and and um, and I love the fact that it does because it kind of means that we're all in. It means that God takes us all in. We're all accepted. It's incl- it's an inclusive kingdom. There's so many exclusive things out there. So many exclusive organizations that you have to be this that and the other to be part of them but the church and the kingdom of god is not like that you know it's an upside down kingdom and it's a kingdom that you know it says that when we're weak then we're strong do you know what i mean it's okay to feel weak it's okay to feel like you haven't got it all together i think mags touched on it last week you know there's times we can look like we have it all together but we haven't you know it's a reality we just haven't um and I think there's times when we can make the mistake maybe of bringing our own resumes before God, bringing our own qualifications to him. And, you know, and there's times maybe when we think we have it all together, or, or, you know, that we are, we're bringing ourselves then to God and presenting ourselves to him. And it's like, you know, um, where is God? Do you know what I mean? Like, now, aren't you lucky you have me on your side? Do you know what I mean? Like, and now what will we do? Now, you relax and I'll sort all this out for you. Um, it doesn't be long falling apart. Um, so I took, anyway, I was looking at it kind of just a brief, a really just brief look at some of the people in Scripture that, that, that God used um, to, to achieve the impossible. Um, and I was thinking that if you could take a Scripture and maybe have it as a mantra across, you know, all of them, you know, all of what they did, and if there was one Scripture um, that I would have put heading across all of their lives, it would be this one. I think it's from Zechariah, and it's not by might nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. Um, I was looking at uh, uh, Moses for to, for to start with. And Moses, we, we kind of know the story of Moses. He was born at a time when the Egyptians were killing all the baby boys. You know, the Israelites were exploding in, in the population. And, and they were worried about that. And they were killing all these children. And Moses was sent down the Nile by... Um, and he was taken then out of, the, out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter and raised in the palace and... But he wanted to identify with the Israelites who were in bondage to slavery to the Egyptians at the time. And 
these people were crying out to God um, to be released from this bondage. And, um, and God was, had said to Moses, tell my people that I've heard them, I've heard their cry, and I'm going to come and rescue them. And Moses goes out one of the days, and there's an Israelite um, arguing with an Egyptian, and he takes matters into his own hands. And he brings his own plan to the table. You know, and we often do this. Like, we get in the way, I think, sometimes of what God wants to do. He murders your man, and he ends up having to flee. And because of that, he ends up in the wilderness. Not for a day or two. For 40 years, he ends up in the wilderness. And then, God decides, when he's an old man. Now, I often wonder why God waits until it's nearly kind of impossible for us to do anything. And God waits till Moses is an old man with his brother-in-law, who was also an old man, and as I said, <laughs> gives him a stick and a one-line sermon and t- sends him to the most powerful man in the planet at the time to tell him, let my people go. And, um, yeah. And, uh, and I was thinking of even what he put in his hand. You know, I mean, the staff, I believe, was a symbol of the power of God. And, um, and, and what he had in his hand, you know, is what God put in his hand. You know, and and it, this, every time he kind of he put the staff towards anything, there was nothing that the, the Egyptian gods could stand before the power of God. Um, and I was thinking about, you know, there are times when God is looking for a woman even to raise up a child. Where does he go? He goes to a woman who's barren. Or, you know what I mean? And it's like... There's something in it where God is kind of, where God gets the glory in it, you know. We we can't boast, no flesh can boast before the Lord. Um, And then I was thinking about Joshua. And God brought Joshua to to Jericho. God, when when Joshua was looking at these walls in Jericho, and I'm sure he was kind of saying, how are we going to do this? Like, how are we going to besieged this city like these walls were huge walls you know there was chariots used to go around on these walls and you know and rather than going back and giving his soldiers a pep talk and you know and working out a strategy of how to get the walls down God told him to circumcise his men ouch you know like I mean these weren't babies they were men you know and so basically God took the fight out of them you know and um yeah, and he, and he told them then to, you know, some of the things that God tells us to do, he told, he sent out the worshippers and he, sa- he said, go and march around this city for seven days and on the seventh day raise a shout and the walls will come down. You know, God's ways are not our ways and, and sometimes we think we can bring all our strength and all our might to the table, but sometimes God just wants to take the fight out of us, you know, and he needs to take us out of us sometimes, you know, to achieve what he wants to achieve. Um. Um, and Paul was probably one of the most intellectual and influential men, you know, of, of his time. Um, in his own words, he said he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Um, he knew the law down to a T. Like talk about crossing your T's and dotting your eyes. I mean, he um, was probably on his way to a very powerful position as a man. You know, um, there would have been great gains for him. You know. Um, would have been a, a, in a place of great leadership and influence. Um, but he said that to all he would have gained, he said he considered it all as nothing. Um, some translations say dung, which is another word for something else. Um, 
so use your imagination. Um, yeah, and he said he, he said he considered it all as nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. Um, Paul chose to preach nothing but Christ crucified because he knew it was the power of God unto salvation. I'm pretty sure Paul could have preached some, he could have blown your mind, I'd say, with some of the intellectual stuff that, you know, he could have stood up and did, but he chose to not do that. You know, he didn't, it was the last thing in these days, I think, is the people need is someone, you know, titillating their intellect at the end of the day. You know, he knew that there were people that were lost on their way to hell. Don't like saying that, but that's a fact, like, and he knew that preaching Christ crucified, this is what Christ has done for you. He knew that, you know, this was the power of God unto salvation for these people. Um, there was an interesting story then that I, I kind of came across, which I haven't read in a long time, in, in First Chronicles 21. It was about David. And David was a man that would have, you know, he would have been, um, there was great kind of victories that he would have saw, great military victories that David would have saw. And in First Chronicles 21, you have David here, and he's counting his fighting men. He calls a census to and count his fighting men. Um, you know, was it was it such a wrong thing about look, you know, looking at your resources? Was it such a wrong thing to do, like just to count his fighting men, see where we stand, and you know, you to go. And um, and I was thinking, no, you know what? It's actually not uh, in my. Study Bible, I was kind of, I just said I'd kind of read out some of the, you know, what, what it said about that. And it said that David's census brought disaster. You know, there's been other senses in the scripture, and it says, you know, unlike the census in the book of Numbers 1 and 2 that God had ordered, this census was, was taken so David could take pride in the strength of his army. In determining his military strength, he was beginning to trust more in military power than in God. There's a fine line between feeling confident because you rely on God's power and becoming proud because you have been used by God for great purposes. David's senses was not against God's law, but his reason for it was wrong. Pride in his mighty army, while forgetting that his real strength came from God. Um, Psalm 20 verse 7 says that some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. And in Psalm 68, verse 17, it says that with God, with God are thousands of chariots and thousands upon thousands of chariots. God will supply everything you need, you know, if you, if you trust and lean on him. Um, Jesus himself said, um, the son can do nothing by himself, only what he sees the father doing. Um, in Luke 4, uh, 1 to 14, we see Jesus, it says he was led into the wilderness to be tempted and in some scriptures, he said he was. He says he was full of the Spirit. Um, and in verse 14 of Luke 4, it says that he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Um, in Philippians 2, verse 6 to 12, it says that um, it says, "Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, um, but made himself nothing." Um, he said, by taking the very nature of a servant, uh, being found in human likeness, um, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even death on a cross. Um, Jesus lived on earth by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, he laid aside his godship, if you like. He laid aside his majesty um, for us. Um, 
And everything he did and everything he achieved, he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but we can't do this by ourselves. We can't do anything. We can't achieve anything, you know, for God without the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, it says in the, in the Bible, in the last days, God says once again, he will pour out his spirit. He will pour out his spirit on all people. I have to say, I've been, I've been so encouraged listening to those prayer meetings, and I can see actually that it's already happening. I can see we're looking at stuff in Lesotho. You said yourself, this is not about our resources. It's not about our human resources. There's things happening that can only happen by the power of God, only happen by the hand of God, being on all the things that, he's, that his hand is upon. Like, um, And I was so encouraged listening to... to the testimonies, if you like, of some of the miracles that are happening. You know, babies being healed in incubators. You know, um, people just... Um, relationships being restored and people being healed of sicknesses, being healed of addictions. And it's just so encouraging to see what the power of God can do when we, you know, when we get out of the way. Um, yeah, and I just have here, look, the Church of God is not about human human resources or the lack of them. If the church is to stand up and be what it's supposed to be in these days, a living witness, a living witness to the glory and the greatness and the goodness and the mercy of God, um, you know, we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Um, I think that all we need to do is come. Be willing, you know, be willing to come. Come with surrendered hearts. Come in your weakness. Come in your failings. Come in, you know, don't be afraid. Um, and I think that when we do that, when we come, God is able then to do. He is able to do immeasurably more than what we can ask or even imagine.